0: You're listening to a sermon audio from The Branch Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website, www.thebranchatlosal.net. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend our services at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at the Los Alamitos Community Center. Good morning. I'm, I'm having to focus to not say good morning, Cypress Church. I know that would just embarrass me terribly, right? Uh, so good morning, Los Branch. It's great. Uh, thank you for having me today. Uh, it's good to be here. The reason Justin wasn't introducing me fully was because he couldn't remember my title. And here's why. <laughs> my official title is Executive, Associate, Pastor, and Coach. I have the distinction of having the longest title of anyone on staff. I have also now the distinction of preaching the longest of anyone on staff, but I will try not to validate that for you today. Um, But Patsy and I have come back to Cyprus. We're glad to be back. We had a six-year vacation in another church that we were helping in Long Beach. So, I thought because some of us know each other and some of I may be new to some of you, I thought I would do a short introduction to tell you a little bit about who is Terry. Yeah, so here's the first shot. This is a picture of me when I was born. I was born at a very early age. And uh, as you can tell by the clarity on this picture, that there's a slight resemblance, but I don't know. But this is my parents. My dad was 19 and my mom was 17 when I was born. It's like, are you serious? 19 and 17? Who, did, who approved this? Obviously, no one consulted me, but uh, they were very, very young when they had me. Uh, very early on, I had career aspirations. Uh, you can see there in the background that my grandparents weren't too excited about being included in this picture, but uh, that's early on. Um, The the next picture shows me in front of church. I started this kind of early, and as you can see, it was kind of a natural for me, hands in the pockets, you know, the whole nine yards. Some of the girls were enraptured with me, some of them were not, but uh, that's just the way it goes. But uh, the next shot shows the girl that I met in college, and this was a young beauty that I actually ended up proposing to, and uh, we started talking about getting married. Well, we dated first in October. We started talking about getting married by Christmas, and by February, we were engaged. This is what she thought she was getting, <laughs> but this is actually what she got. So, you know, it's just one of those things, but uh, we have been married for 48 years now um, And she not only still loves me, but she still likes me, which is just truly amazing in my estimation. But we have this family. I think that's the next shot. We have four kids, and uh, they are all grown. Three of them are married with families of their own. You can see Patsy and me in the middle in the back, and then my dad is in front of me and his wife, Dottie, to to the right of them. And then Patsy's mom, who now is living with us, uh, she's there in the front. But then way over at the left-hand side is our daughter, Courtney, and John, her husband, and Maddie, our four-year-old granddaughter, our youngest one. Next to them is our oldest daughter, Lauren, and her husband, Steve, and two granddaughters, Sophia and Paige. And then next to me is our youngest daughter, Reagan. Some of you have heard her play violin. Uh, She's a Professional violinist, it's very good to to hear her and next to her is our son Garrett, his wife Michelle down on the uh, on the log, and then their three kids, Gavin, uh, Kira, and Nate. But uh, we had all nineteen of them over for Christmas. You can imagine what that's like, you know, it's just almost chaotic, but not quite, but uh, that's uh, that's our family. So we are glad to be here. This is Patsy and me. Uh, We are glad that you have called us back in a staff role. Uh, My role is to help with leadership development and particularly with coaching with staff and volunteers. So it's something that I'm really looking forward to. We've been at it since August and uh, it seems to be working pretty well. So thank you for welcoming us back. It's great to be back. We are so glad to be a part of this here. This morning, we're going to ta- continue a series that we have started a few weeks ago when Justin preached on neighboring, on what's called life hacks. I don't know if you know this, but life can be hard. It's like, wow, Terry, that's amazing. Yeah. But uh, it can almost be overwhelming sometimes in terms of the difficulties that come and present our, themselves to us. Sometimes it's our work, sometimes it's our family, sometimes it's anything. But what we want to take a look at in this series is looking from the standpoint of what can we do to help us through those difficult times. So we're calling it Life Hacks, which is basically a shortcut for dealing with difficult things. Now, those of you who have been in the church a long time know that God has created a lifestyle for us that helps us with those kinds of difficulties. So we're going to be looking at different topics and looking at in terms of what is God said in Scripture that can act as a life hack that can help us through those difficult times. We'll be looking at things like hang-ups. Um, we'll be looking at finances. We'll be looking at parenting. Not that any of you would need help with that, but just in case you want to advise someone else, Sorry, that's a joke, okay? Yeah, you know. But the point is, what has God said in Scripture that can help us as we go through life, through life difficulties? What are the life hacks that we can capture that will help us navigate through those? Today, we're going to look at our work and basically, what is the purpose for work? Now, I don't know about you, but this has been a pa- become a passion for me, um, this study of work, because in my estimation, through the centuries since Christ was resurrected and went back to heaven, the church has spent very little time talking about the thing that we probably spend the most time doing. The church has not spent a whole lot of time teaching or preaching about work. Uh, Patsy and I have taken a church history course, and there was so little said about this. Now, they were dealing with important aspects. Don't misunderstand me. They were dealing with things like how do we figure out the theology of what God is saying through scripture. But this idea of the scriptural uh, passages related to work were not ignored. They just weren't recognized or taught on in a prolific manner. But the last 50 to 75 years has been different. Many people are doing study, looking at what God has to say about work, and beginning to apply it to that everyday thing that we are all involved in. It's become a passion of mine, and I have done some a little bit of study on it, but today what we want to look at is what is the scriptural purpose for work. We're going to identify at least four. There's probably more in scripture, but we're going to look at at least four purposes for work to try and figure out and understand what is God intended about our work. This thing that we spend so much time doing What is God's purpose for it? How can we incorporate that into our lives? And particularly, how do we approach those purposes? So we want to take a look at what are the purposes? We want to take at the, take a look at the so what? What's important about that? And then near the end, we'll also take a look at the now what? Now do we, what do we do about this? So if you will, let's pray and ask God to bless and work through what we have to say this morning. Father, we're grateful that you pay attention to what we do, what we're concerned about. And this morning, as we look into this topic, we're asking that you will bring clarity through what I say, clarity for what the people will hear, so that we can understand what it is that you are after when we talk about work, what it is that you've designed into it, what you've intended, and we'll be grateful for you for what we learned today. For it's new name we pray. Amen. Many of you probably look at uh, work kind of like this, this lady here. Um, Post-its all over the place. It's just like my work is so overwhelming. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah? All right. Or maybe you wish you were like this guy, where you if you had just about 10 more arms, you could get more done. Anybody relate? You can raise your hands. This is not a rhetorical question, okay? (laughs) All right, thank you. But it may be that we're looking at work kind of like this kid, where we're trying to change the tire on this tractor, and there's just no way that we're going to do that. This little guy is working for all his might. Anybody relate? Okay. Okay. So the point becomes, how do we approach this thing that we are all involved in, but that can be so difficult? The thing that is many times challenging for us, and why are we asked to do it? Um, Many Christians think that work is actually a part of the curse. That when Adam sinned, and God said that you're going to have consequences from that, that work became one of those consequences, we'll show you in a few minutes that that's not what the scripture actually has to say. Work is not a curse. But the curse did impact our work. And that becomes very instrumental in terms of how we go through our daily lives. So as we look at this whole issue of work and how can we respond to it, the point becomes, what did God actually intend for work? George Orwell kind of summed it up by saying this. Let's face it. Our lives are miserable, laborious, and short. And that's the way some of us feel. If, if you haven't felt that way, maybe you're not working that hard. But the point, <laughs> becomes, the point becomes, it feels that way sometimes. And is that what God intended for us in work? I don't think so. I don't think so, and I would like to share with you uh, some scriptural passages that will give, hopefully, a different perspective. King Solomon summed it up like this in Ecclesiastes 2.23, where he said, For his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest, this too is vanity. So King Solomon, probably the wisest man who's ever lived, recognized that work is hard. And it can be a vexation sometimes. But... There's other passages in Scripture that we're going to look at that will show a different perspective. Not that this one is wrong. He was giving an observation based on his perspective, what he had experienced up to that point. But work can be hard. I want to recognize that. And I don't want to discredit the idea that work is hard. In this day and age, uh, in our society, work can be hard. But there's still some things that God has in mind for us through our work, and that's what we want to look at. So we're going to look at four purposes for work um, as we go into this and do it from a scriptural standpoint. I'm going to define work in a broad perspective. Um, it's going to be not just work that we do that we may be employed to do or work that we get paid or not paid to do. It's going to be work that we ex- that we extend energy into doing. The definition I'm going to use is basically that it work is purposeful activity intended to accomplish a task. So maybe some of you are, I don't know, uh, stu- are workers in a factory. That would be work. Some of you are workers as teachers. That would be definitely work in my estimation. Uh, some of you are students. You're working as a student. So the point is, we're going to look at work in a broad sense of the word, not just what we get employed to do, not just what we get paid to do, but in the broad sense of the word, things that we do that are intended to accomplish a task. Okay, so kind of keep that broad perspective in mind as we go through the next few minutes. So the first purpose then for work. And you've got notes there in front of you. Um, Some of you, if you need a Bible, that you would like to look up the verses that we will uh, take a look at. We've got a Bible to to loan to you. Pardon? Raise your hand. Okay. Raise your hand if you would like one. All right. Great. So the first purpose for work is that we were created for work. If you go back to the first verse in the Bible, it says, And God created the heavens and the earth. And later on in chapter 2, verse 2, he refers back to that. God refers back to that and says, That work that I did was good. So all of creation that he did, he calls work. He actually extended himself to accomplish a task. Now, we also know that in the second chapter of Genesis, that he created man in his image. He created us to be very similar to God himself. So the conclusion would be that we were created to work. If God works, we work. He created us to do that. And you can verify that by looking at Genesis 2.15, where it says, and the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So the very first thing that God asked Adam to do, based on the Genesis account, is that he does some work. He's going to be the caretaker for the Garden of Eden. This is what God had intended. He created Adam and consequently the rest of us, that we would be working. Consequent And this all happened before Genesis 3, where Adam sinned and the curse was instilled, So my point is, we can conclude that work is not part of the curse. It was intended from the outset. But the curse has impacted our work. And God said that would happen for Adam, that he would have thorns and sweat of the brow and so on and so forth. So there is an impact to our work. But the point here is that we were created to work. It's part of the way we do things. Think about how much time you spend working. So much of our day is spent in some sort of activity intended to accomplish a task. Some of us get paid for it. Some of us just do it because. So this is what God had intended from the outset, that he created man to be like him. He worked and he created man to work. So the question is then, what's the so what? What's the so what? Well, the so what is to work faithfully. That's what God had intended from the outset, is that man would work faithfully. And we can capture this from Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, where the verse says, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much; enter into the joy of your master. This is the intent that the kind of the so what of being created for work that if we do it faithfully, this is what God has intended for us. We don't just slough through. We don't just get things done, but we work in a faithful manner. And by the example that was set with the parable of the talents, we can see that God's intent is that we do this in a faithful manner. That is his whole intent. In a few minutes, we'll look a little more specifically as to what working faithfully really looks like. But let's go on to the second purpose. The second purpose is that people fulfill a personal calling through their work. Now, this may be a little bit of a surprise to you because most of us, uh, many believers think in terms of a calling as pastors who are called to the ministry or uh, missionaries who are called to a foreign culture. But God has called each of us individually for something. If you look at this passage of Scripture, Ephesians 2.10, Paul said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand (coughs) that we should walk in them. This is a verse about all believers. This actually is a verse about all people, that people were created with when God had something in mind for them that they would fulfill some kind of work or some kind of purpose in their lifetime. Now, the word up here, the Greek word for works is the word ergon, and basically it means employment or business or something that I am working at. And there's a number of times, particularly in the New Testament, where it's referred to in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus is talking and he says, Let your light so shine before men, maybe you recognize this verse, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Same word. Mark chapter 13, verse 34. Another parable where the, the master is leaving, the servants are in, are in charge, and the master says, Work the way you're supposed to work, implying kind of like an employment thing. John 5:36 talks about the works of the Father, more what we would think in terms of ministry kinds of work. So God is working, and same word. First Timothy 5:10 says. Uh, is Paul's talking about women, and he's suggesting that they have a good reputation for good works. All inclusive could be ministry kinds of things, could be the the uh, everyday kinds of things. Hebrews four four then makes a reference back to Genesis, and the writer said, "And God rested on the seventh day from all his works." Same word. So this word, ergon, is very inclusive. It's not only talking about ministry-oriented activity, but it's talking about the everyday stuff that we're involved in. Again, some of which we're employed by. Some of it, it's just intended to accomplish. But here's the kicker. The issue is God beforehand, before we were born, according to Paul, actually gave us a purpose an individual purpose, if you will, something that he has created and gifted us for so that we can pursue that purpose and accomplish it in a faithful manner. I don't know about you, but when I think in terms of the God of the universe orchestrating something for Terry Lambert, that gets a little mind-blowing, that he is that specific in terms of his care and his paying attention to me. God has intended, according to the Apostle Paul, that we each have good works that God has intended for us. Obviously, our task is to figure that out. Work with him, ask him what it's about, so that we can pursue it and accomplish it. So the question then becomes, so what? Well, therefore, work faithfully. Work faithfully. If we have something that God has given us to do, then he's asking us, again, according to the Matthew 25 talents parable, work faithfully, pursue it. Again, we'll look at that a little more closely in just a moment. Purpose number three is that people add value through their work. People add value through their work. Basically, what we're talking about in terms of adding value is that we take raw uh, materials or raw resources, and we, through our work, we make them more valuable. Um, a, a couple of examples of how this would work. Well, let's look at the passage first. Matthew 25, verse 20 says, And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master... You delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Again, a reference to the same parable. But the point is, this servant and the second servant also took their five talents and took their two talents and made them more. They added value to what they had been given. That's one of the purposes of work. We don't work just to bide our time. We don't work just to get through the day. We don't work let me say this, just to earn a living. We work in terms of adding value to something that we've been given, and we want to increase the value of it. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you're a teacher, if we're working to add value, your students are better and more knowledgeable after you've taught. If you're a machinist, your object that you're machining is more purposeful after you've worked on it. If you're a retail associate, your transaction gives the customer a good product and a good experience in pursuing it. If you're a manager, your subordinates are better equipped workers because of your influence. If you're a homemaker, your family is able to live their lives and do their work well. If you're a student, you're learning what you need to prepare for life. So those are examples, at least from my perspective, of adding value because of the way we work. It's what God has intended. He hasn't intended us just to go through the motions, but to actually accomplish something and to add value as we go forward. What's the so what to this? Can you guess? Yeah, to work faithfully. Okay, to work faithfully so that we are truly adding value As we pursue our work. Purpose number four, people build intimacy through their work. Intimacy is not usually something that's considered in terms as it relates to work, but what we're talking about here is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Um, So how does working actually build intimacy with God? Well, here's a verse, again from Solomon's perspective, Ecclesiastes 2:24 and 25. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in toil. Are you sure, Solomon? <laughs> but it goes on to say, this also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can fi- have enjoyment. What we're suggesting here is that it's our that God actually gives us our work and actually can provide for us the enjoyment of the work as we go through it. It's all a gift from God. So as we go through our work and as we're dealing with those things, the point is, is it drawing us closer to God? Solomon is saying finding enjoyment in work is from God's hand. So therefore... If we recognize that fact, we will thank him and praise him when our work is going well. If we recognize that fact, we will also go to him asking for wisdom, direction, and solutions if the work is not going well. The point is, either way, our work can be the reason why we are calling on and communicating with God and consequently, our relationship with him is going to grow and deepen. We will become more intimate. So it may not be something that jumps out at you in terms of my work, draws me more intimately with God, but it can if you look at it from that standpoint. If, you, if we recognize that our work is from God and that our success and even our challenges are all directed and at least orchestrated by God, it can draw us into a more intimate relationship with him as we go through those challenges, as we go through those successes. So what's the so what? So what? What do you think it is? Work faithfully. Right. Work faithfully so that we are being drawn into a closer relationship with Father God, which is exactly what he's intended, what he's after, and what we should be after also. So these are the four purposes that I would like to draw your attention to. Now, what I'd also like to look at, though, is what does this working faithfully really look like? How do I do that? What's the difference between working faithfully and working unfaithfully? Well, it has to do with a verse that is also in Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10, that says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol here, the reference here is basically to the grave. And what Solomon is recognizing is that once you die and you're buried, your work is done. There's no more gaining wisdom. There's no more accomplishing stuff. It's over. Now, we understand and If you look into this further, we know that we're going to be working and doing things in eternity. But for the purposes of this life, the grave ends it. And so what he's saying is, up until that time, working faithfully is basically working with your might. You give it your best. You give it your best shot. You work focused on what it is that you're trying to accomplish at that particular time. That's what Father God is trying to say to us. That's what the parable of the talents is about, working faithfully, giving it your best effort so that you are accomplishing the purposes, that you recognize that you were created, that you've got a personal calling, that you're adding value, and it's building your relationship with Father God. By doing that faithfully, by giving it your best effort, you will be accomplishing those purposes In a way that will benefit you and will glorify Father God. Here's some examples. Um, If you look at these people, this is one thing that you probably don't want to do. Whatever you do, always give 100% unless you're donating blood. Okay? There's a cautionary. Yeah. Okay. But it's more like this young guy. He's young. He's got that determined look on his face. He has a big task ahead of him. The ball is obviously too big for him. But he's giving it his best. You can see by the look on his face that he is intent on accomplishing whatever it is that he's about to do. That's the kind of intent that we're looking at, that we're talking about here, that you are giving your best effort to accomplishing the task that's ahead of of you. Here's some examples If you're a teacher, you do your best effort so that your students are better and more knowledgeable after you've taught. If you're a machinist, you do your best effort so that the object that you're machining is more purposeful after you've worked on it. If you're a retail associate, you give it your best effort so that the transaction gives the customer a good product and a good experience. If you're a manager, you give it your best effort so that your subordinates are better equipped workers because of your influence. If you're a homemaker, you give it your best effort so that your family is able to live their lives and do their work well. If you're a student, you give it your best effort so that you're learning what you need to know in order to function in life. It all has to do with attitude. What is our attitude as we go through? If our work is going well and we're enjoying it, it's easy to have a good attitude and give it your best. If work is not going well, you're having challenges, then sometimes that takes a little more effort, that you have to decide that you are going to give it your best effort. But that is what Father God is asking of us in those four purposes, to work faithfully. It's to give it your best effort regardless. In the parable of the talents, we don't know which of those guys had the tough situation. All we know is what they got done. That's They were faithful and they were recognized for their faithfulness. That's what Father God is asking of us. Whatever it is that the work that we're involved in, he's asking us to be faithful, to give it our best effort i 'd like to share with you um, an episode in my life in my career that I think illustrates this, and you 'll have to pardon me because i don't i 'm not saying this is the way it always works or this is the best way i 'm trying not to brag, but I would like to give you an example of how this actually plays out. I worked for toyota Motor Company Company for four years in a project that they called the Signature Initiative. It basically was a uh, initiative that was training dealership managers on how to do personal on how to do uh, performance improvement so that it would make the customers experience better if you 've ever bought a car from a any dealership, that can be a taxing thing right it 's like am I getting the best deal? Well, the point with the Toyota dealerships was they wanted their dealerships to create good experiences for their customers so that they would continue to come back to have the car serviced, and to buy their next one. In year one, I was part of a group that was actually contracted to Toyota to create the pilot. And I was hired to be the liaison between Torrance and Minneapolis, where my company was located. When I interviewed for the job, it was interesting to me because the people that interviewed me tried to convince me not to take the job. And I couldn't understand what in the world was going on. Well, they finally shared with me after we went through about a half hour of this that they knew that the person that I would be responsible to and liaison with, that he was difficult to get along with, that he was demanding, he was excessive in some of the things that he asked for, and well, and in college he was a linebacker for Missouri, so that kind of gives you some perspective from that standpoint. But the point was they were preparing me that if I really wanted to do this, that I would be prepared to meet this man's expectations. Well, I determined at that point I was going to meet his, I was going to do whatever it was necessary in order to make sure he looked good and that we got done what needed to be done. In year two, after the pilot was finished, Toyota brought the project in house to continue its development and continue its progress. And my boss, the guy that I was working with, asked me to come in and work directly for Toyota to do that because of the year that we had spent together. That was a great opportunity for me because I not only got to uh, learn more about the car industry, but I got to exercise some gifts that I have. It was amazing. But there was a key time at the beginning of that project after they brought me in that was very... It was amazing to me, because my boss, this guy that had been the difficult person, he now, I was directly responsible to him. One of my responsibilities was to manage six outside vendors, some of whom were competitors, and I was supposed to manage what all they got done. My boss came to our first meeting with those six vendors. He sat in on the meeting, which was fine with me, but... In about 10 or 15 minutes, he got up and left. It was the greatest compliment that he could pay me because what he determined in those opening minutes was that I knew what I was doing and I was able to handle this. There was no need for him to be there. It was a great compliment to me. He then retired in in year three and I was asked to take his place and we continued the development of the program. I actually worked it for two more years. The outcomes to that program for me personally was financially it was a good one, it was very good. The influence that it had in the Toyota uh, company was very significant. Some of those dealers are still participating in the signature initiative, but it gave me the opportunity to learn a lot about the automotive industry, that I would have not been able to learn any other way. And gave me the opportunity to then, for the next 13 years, work for about three different car makers in other projects. It was a great opportunity. It was probably one of the best I've ever had. This is my point. I saw the thing as something that I could do, but it was going to take a good effort. And I gave it my best effort. It paid off for me personally, But in another sense, it also honored Father God because the steps that it continued to progress were such a way that it showed that Terry was working hard. My colleagues didn't necessarily know I was working for God, but Father God did. I was fulfilling my personal call for that moment in time. I was adding value. I knew I had been created to do this kind of thing, And it really was drawing me closer to Father God through the process. So I say this as an example of this is the kind of thing that Father God is after. He knows that he's created us for this. He knows that we have a personal calling. He knows that we can create and add value because he's given us giftings to do that. And he knows it will help build the intimacy between him and us, which is exactly what he wants. Bottom line, faithfulness doesn't guarantee success. But a lack of effort will guarantee bad outcomes or mediocre outcomes. So whatever our thing that we've been asked to do, whatever God has drawn us into, the intent is to do it faithfully, to give it our best effort. I have a suggestion now for the now what? Coincidentally, at this time of the year, we are, as a church, Cyprus and uh, LaSalle, are going to be participating in a uh, conference that's called Work as Worship. Um, In your bulletin, in your uh, folder, you'll see a flyer for this. And it just happens that we're approaching this on February 25th we will be doing participating in this conference. Uh, The conference, the purpose of it is to uh, give us help, suggestions, uh, push for how to incorporate our faith into our work. Uh, It will be done on the Cypress campus. We'll be streaming from Dallas, these speakers. Um, The intent of it is to help us understand and explore how we can incorporate our faith into our work. Some of the people that will be speaking are fairly well-known. You may know some of them. Their pictures are on your on your flyer. But uh, Patrick Lencioni from the Table Group is one. He's written a book that I found very interesting called Three Signs of a Miserable Job. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny, but it's, it's true. Um, Joel Manby, who is the... President and CEO of SeaWorld will be one of the speakers. Norm Miller, who's the chairman of Interstate Batteries. Kelly Shackelford from First Liberty Institute. Wendy Davidson, who's president of the U.S. Specialty Channel for the Kellogg Company. So these people will be bringing their perspective on how to incorporate our faith into our work, or maybe how to incorporate our work into our faith. The cost is, in my estimation, a reasonable cost. It's $25. You can register for it by going to the website that's there on your bro- on your insert. But this is an opportunity where in one day you can maybe get some ideas in terms of what to in- to expand on this idea of what we can do with our work to make it more in line with what Father God has intended. Uh, the... the On the 25th, it's a Friday. It will start at 7.30 and it will end at 2.30. So you can take a half a day and then get back to work if you have to. But I would encourage you to consider it because it will be an opportunity to see what is it that we need to incorporate. Again, as I said at the outset, I think the church has not been focused on this nearly enough through the centuries, but now it's becoming much more a prominent issue and not an issue in terms of a bad thing. It's like, this is what Father God is talking about. This is what it's all about. I would encourage you to consider it. So in summary, work has purpose. We were created for it. We have each a personal calling for it. It's intended to add value, and it's intended to build a more intimate relationship with Father God. Our task, then, is to work at it faithfully to give it our best effort. These four purposes hopefully have shown you some how significant work is to Father God and how important it is in we are in God's economy. Hopefully this has been encouraging to you about work. Uh, there's much more that we could talk about. That will be for another time, but the intent is I hope you are encouraged that work is not part of the curse. It's what was intended and we can benefit from it, and we can enjoy it. Hopefully, this has, been, uh, has prompted some next steps for you. I would suggest that you take a minute and ask yourself, what is Father God saying to you right now, based on what we have been talking about for the last few minutes? What are your next steps? I'm going to suggest that you take your notes and jot down whatever it is that's coming to mind right now that you are, are identifying what it is that Father God may be speaking to you about or what you think you need to give more consideration for. But take a few seconds and jot down what it is that you would like to remember or maybe next steps that you would like to pursue from this point on. Father, we thank you for the work of your Son on our behalf that when we were helpless, when we were lost in our sin, He didn't give up on us. Um, you sent Him that we might be reconciled to You. What an amazing, amazing gift. May we never take lightly the gift that has been offered to us, and may it shape us. May it shape every aspect of our lives, not just how we worship together on Sunday mornings, but in how we function monday through saturday as well and and how we work in the places that you've called us um, in our homes and in our workplaces and everywhere in between thank you father in jesus name amen